This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for the Clang Valley's biggest conversation. Talk back on the evening edition. Only on BFM 89.9. It is Talk Back here with Caroline and Ezra. It's five minutes past six. And the topic today we're asking you is about healthcare practitioners and bedside manners. We want to hear from you. The number to call is 0377109000. You can WhatsApp your thoughts to 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Okay, so this evening uh, we're going to be talking about bedside manners and beyond. Uh, So just a couple of days ago, we talked about this, right? The Ministry of Health put out a call to all healthcare practitioners requesting for them to make more of an effort to talk to patients and their families. So the health minister pointed out that a mere five minutes spent, you know, talking to the patients, to their families, that would go a really long way in helping them understand what's going on. Right. Um, and also in aftercare, right? So that families and caregivers would have a better idea of how best to care for the patient after treatment. Yeah, <coughs> Caroline, if you recall, we talked about this when it was first reported. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then spoke to BFM's doctor in the house, consultant urologist Dr. George Lee, to get his thoughts on how important it is to communicate. If you look at all the medical legal complaints, they are all related in breakdown in communications. I really think the recipe to reduce any error and also any complaint or misunderstandings between doctors and patients is truly that communication. So whatever treatment that you want to give the patient, whatever information you want to convey to your patient, that five minutes is the absolute minimum you need to offer. You know, and that seemed to strike a note with some of you. In fact, uh, we got love text messages from you that day just telling us about your experiences right, with healthcare practitioners in general, the good, the bad, some were really ugly. And that's what we want to hear on the show this evening. The number to call is 0377109000. And uh, we also heard from doctors and nurses as well who gave us some insights on what their schedule is like and, and how they understand the importance of it but that they just can't seem to find the time. Well, Dr. George had something to say about that as well. I mean, some people will say the language barriers or patients didn't quite understand the level of knowledge or pressure of time, different wavelength of communication. I think all of these should not be an excuse not to explain or be empathic and actually convey that information to patients. So that was BFM's doctor in the house, a consultant urologist, Dr. George Lee, on prioritizing communication between doctors and patients. And there's also this situation where doctors see their roles as more functional roles, prioritizing the physical rather than the emotional needs. And to a degree, it's also hard to argue that they shouldn't. We've all seen how, uh, you know, if you remember that television series, Dr. House, yes. you know, he has absolutely no inclination to niceties and yet he's able to accurately diagnose and treat the most vague of diseases but again that's that's just television but you know it would be hard to argue that it doesn't happen in real life right Right. maybe we've all met a doctor house that's in right. our own lives there are grumpy grumpy doctors and nurses around you know really gruff really abrupt uh, no nonsense kind of folk they just want to get in there get the job done uh, avoid any kind of contact as much as possible and then move on to the next patient right really clinical and it's also reflective <laughs> in perhaps their handwriting when you see their prescription <laughs> oh, as well okay. 
Uh, and there are also those stories like those you heard from Dr. George uh, and his patients. They spend time talking to the patient and the family. They try their utmost best to communicate even when language is a barrier. Uh, healthcare practitioners who are just really kind uh, with their time and also patient as well. Yeah, that's true. And also doesn't seem to matter, right, whether you're serving in the private or public sector because a lot of the time, I think we like to make these assumptions about service based on what you pay or rather what you don't pay. Yeah. Uh, there have been so many incidents of bad service in private healthcare and absolutely excellent service in public healthcare. That's right. So I think that's an important one to dispel as well. So today we'd like to get um, you know a general feel of what Malaysian doctors are like and also uh, nurses, just everyone across uh, in uh, the healthcare industry. That's right. And, and what we're, we're opening the lines for you to call in and share your experiences with us. What's more common uh, of an experience for you? Is it grumpy and gruff or kind and patient? We're <laughs> asking you, do Malaysian healthcare practitioners have good bedside manners? And also, if you are a Malaysian healthcare practitioner, call in and tell us what is your perspective on this issue as well. The number to call is 0377109000. We have a poll running asking you uh, the same question. It's running on our, running on our Twitter website. Uh, so far, um, 20% of respondents have said, uh, yes, absolutely, healthcare practitioners have good bedside manners. Um, and 75% weighing in saying some yes, some no. Uh, but just 6, 6% saying goodness, no. So um, I think it's pretty positive looking up. All right. The number once again is 0377109000. WhatsApp us at 0187898899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We want to hear from you about healthcare practitioners and their bedside manners. I mean, going to um, you know the hospital is a, a very difficult and emotional experience mm. as well. And sometimes it's, it's so interesting to get people's perspectives about what they experience was like and, and, and how did it actually improve the quality of life for, for those involved. Yeah, so quality of life um, and also I suppose just that whole just that whole experience, right? You, you, you go into a hospital, you, you're tired, you're scared, uh, you, you're ill and I suppose, you know, th- this applies to not just the patient but, but the families and the caregivers, um, you know, at the same time. And if you have a healthcare practitioner who's dealing with you who's really patient uh, or if you've dealt with one who's, re- who's been really patient and made that experience so much more comfortable yeah. for you, uh, share share the stories with us. And also, similarly, if you've dealt with, um, I guess, healthcare practitioners that are less than desirable the, by the way nightmare of versions, <laughs> the nightmare stories that you've experienced, uh, we want to hear from you as well. Zero three seven seven one zero nine thousand. That's the number to call. On top back, here's some music by Marvin Gaye. What's going on on BFM eighty nine point nine? Time for the four T's: tweet, text, talk. Talk back on BFM 89.9. It's Caroline and Ezra on Talk Back, and we're talking about whether Malaysian healthcare practitioners have good bedside manners. The number to call is 0377109000. As earlier mentioned, the Ministry of Health put out a call to all healthcare practitioners uh, requesting for them to make more of an effort to talk to patients and their families. We wanted to find out and get get a general feel of what the temperature is like. Are there more. What the temperature is like? I, it's I not. A, it's saying. not. A, well, we're, we're trying to figure out. You know, are there more nightmare healthcare practitioners, or perhaps there are nightmare patients uh, equally as well? Well, speaking of that, we got this message saying, "What about nightmare patients who don't respect doctors as human beings?" Unfortunately, we health professionals can't utter a word about our patients, but mm. they treat doctors like they're giving a restaurant review. Oh, respect goes both ways, and a little appreciation for our sacrifice would be good. And that's a great point. Perhaps the question should have been: Are there more nightmare patients 
Bob, or are there more nightmare healthcare practitioners? You can tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we've got a poll happening on twitter.com slash BFM Radio as well. Uh, WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. But also call us at 0377109000. We want to hear from you. Uh, first up on the line is Melanie. Uh, you're going to tell us about an experience that you had uh, with a particular healthcare practitioner. <coughs> Oh, Melanie, do try call us back oh, no. again at zero three seven seven one zero nine thousand. Moving on to our next caller, Satish is on the line. Hi, Satish. Hi, guys. Hi, Satish. Thanks good, for holding. Good to hear from you. Tell us, uh, what's your perspective on this? Uh, my perspective is, uh, I wouldn't blame the doctors or the nurses if they are being, um, or they, you know, like the topic says, they don't have a proper bedside manners, or if they are trying to be uh, very. Uh, um, if they're abrupt, you mean? I mean, yeah, very abrupt to the patients or the patients' families and mm. all the things. Because um, I see that the culture here is that uh, it's getting bad to us. We are not uh, the country as itself, uh, including the government agencies and all the relevant agencies. They are not really taking it very seriously in the sense no one deserves to work in such an environment uh, like the hospitals that we have today. Um, I mean, uh, I'm working in a private sector. I'm, I'm very... Sometimes when I visit, because I have two elderly parents, eh? so there are times where I need to bring them to the hospital. Right. I do not see, I've never come across uh, any doctors who are, uh, you know, uh, do not have uh, good manners or anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, including nurses. They try their best, yeah. especially they are quite motivated when they see that family members, you know, the young ones are taking care of the old ones, uh, right. the, the elderlies and everything. So they have that respect to you and they will try to help as much as they can. Yeah. Uh, you can't uh, expect, um, uh, you know, utmost uh, language proficiency, proficiency or anything like that. They try their best, as I told earlier. Mm-hmm. But I, as I come back again to the topic, if, if there are doctors or nurses who are uh, a bit uh, sour or, you know, they 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 don't have the mood to work and they show it to their patients or something like that. I wouldn't blame them because the working conditions is horrible in, now, in S- our hospitals. Santosh, you've uh, not experienced um, any nightmare scenarios in any of your uh, visits to the hospital? It's a two-way thing. You know that the doctor is not having a good day. Uh, you need to know how to handle it well. You need to know how to talk to them. You will see these doctors. I wouldn't say no. But, you know, you you have an ill father, he needs attention. So there is a way for you to approach these doctors. And sometimes you just have to have a little bit of a, a pep talk. You know, why aren't you going for your lunch? I've, I've seen doctors, eh? mm-hmm. it's lunchtime, you know, one, one to two o'clock. Eh? Yeah. Uh, and I've seen them working over their lunchtime. Yeah. So, you know, these guys are really the ones who are, they study for the interest of doctors, not to become rich or not for the glamour and glitz and all these things. Most of them do that. But these guys are meant for it. You know, they're born to become doctors. So that's so, why you see them doing this. Yes. Sadej, on the other side of the spectrum, have you seen nightmare patients? Yes, I have. Tell us, yes, about, have. Tell us about that. Uh, it's just that they think that they are... Again, like, you know, this one comes from the other side of the spectrum where the doctors need to have that certain niche skills. which They don't teach in universities any subjects. I'm, I'm a computer science major, so they don't even teach us that or so. So it, it takes time for them to learn this. It's it's a it's an art how to deal with patients, how to deal with difficult customers, how to deal with uh, difficult callers like in your sense, you know. So <laughs> it it it's, uh, it comes into both perspective. But I've seen patients they do not understand what these doctors are going through. It, it, I really feel sorry for them. The the 
you know, you you smell of urine uh, in an emergency room. Uh, you know how bad they are going through, uh, and you will feel sorry for them. Mm. You know. So uh, that's all I have to comment on that. Thank you very much uh, for calling in, Satish. And um, you know, I think it's um, you know what's crucial here is actually to to reflect on I guess those first-hand experiences when you have uh, gone on to meet medical practitioners. And there are yeah, he's right. There are a variety of circumstances in which you meet. You can tell when a doctor um, at four o'clock in the afternoon has had a long day, yeah. and just just purely from their body language. Um, but what we're also trying to figure out is you know whether this level of empathy and compassion uh, that is almost required and perhaps expected of our medical practitioners, um, whether that is the norm or whether that is something that we're only seeing in particular sectors as well. And also, I think one thing to point out is um, whether or not it's generational. So you know how uh, we like to talk about, say, in education, for example, and how teachers of yore uh, differ very much uh, from teachers today. Um, whether or not that's the same uh, for healthcare practitioners, um, you know, I guess with the speed that things move these days with, with technology being what it is, short attention spans, whether or not that has changed the way they deal uh, with patients. Zero three seven seven one zero nine thousand. We're asking the question: Do Malaysian healthcare practitioners have good bedside manners? We want to hear from you. Zero three seven seven one zero nine thousand. Now, a while ago, we did a show on where we spoke with healthcare practitioners, Associate Professor Lee Siu Hun and Datin Hafizah Hassan, and we asked them how they felt about nursing and what's required of the profession. Now, this is what they. Had to say. It is just not doing the job. It's not just carrying out the work. You know, we nurses have what you call the soft skills that we talk about. Soft skills in terms of our mannerism, in terms of our attitudes towards the patient. That is the important ingredient that a nurse should have. You cannot bring your misery back to your family. And if you're having problem with the family, you cannot bring your misery to the ward and putting the pressure on the patient. Action play a very important part. Sometimes you don't need to say anything. Just be with the patient, counsel them, hold their hand, hold the family's hand, be comfortable to them. You don't need to say any words so that you're not damaging your relationship. That play a very important part as a nurse. That was Associate Professor Lee Siu-Hun and Datin Hafiza Che Hassan talking about what it means to work as a healthcare practitioner. And of course, you can listen to that whole show by downloading the podcast at bfm.my. Just search for three generations of nurses. Yep. And I mean, if you, I mean, in, in just listening to that, um, and I, I felt that, you know, because she said sometimes words aren't even necessary. You can you can feel the empathy through through a look, through a touch, you know, just, just being compassionate that way. And sometimes that means just a whole lot more. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if, you know, part of the, the whole crux of what we're talking about is, is soft skills, right? About how people relate to one another, mm. about how healthcare practitioners relate to uh, patients. And um, you mentioned about the caregivers. Is, uh, the, is the family and, and friends surrounding that environment as well? It is. And especially when it comes to caregivers, and that's what the health ministry was saying, you know, spend some time talking to the families as well, not just the patients, because a lot of the time, caregivers tend to be overlooked, um, 
tend to be overworked, mm-hmm. um, tend to be tired. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I suppose any sort of information um, in, in how, you know, in, in making that job easier for them would be absolutely helpful. 0377109000. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We're asking, do Malaysian healthcare practitioners have good bedside manners? Um, a, a huge part of this also is, I guess, the context of how people perceive um, what sort of treatment um, and care is expected, whether you go to mm. uh, a hospital in the public sector or in the private sector. And there's also that expectation that if you're paying for a particular type of service, mm. you also expect uh, a certain level of service as well. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily correspond all the time. That's right. Yeah. 0377109000. Call us on Talkback. Do Malaysian healthcare practitioners have good bedside manners? We've got Shireen on the line. Hi, Shireen. Hi, Shireen. Hi there, hi. Yeah, I have, uh, I've got an experience mm-hmm. about this because unfortunately a few years ago my mom was actually admitted to hospital for leukemia. Mm-hmm. So I had the good and the bad part of it as well. And I think that, yeah, I, I do agree that it really depends on the healthcare practitioner itself and maybe even the patients also. But I think in general, the expectation is that when somebody is admitted to the hospital, they are very scared, they're frightened, they don't know what's going to happen, and we look to healthcare professionals to actually be the ones to sort of soothe our fears and, you know, ensure that they're always doing the best, and yeah. that's not always the case, unfortunately. Did that not happen for you? I felt that there were certain times when, yes, there's one or two uh, professionals that were really good. They always used to take care of my mom really well, mm-hmm. and then the expectation would be then that, you know, if if there's a person who's not really uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing, then my mom would specifically ask back for that doctor or that nurse. Mm. So if it gets right. to that level, then how do you... I mean, it's not it's not fair to the doctor, right? Like, if you're the one who's doing a really good job, then everybody's going to want you and nobody wants the other doctors. So. Yeah. And I, I think also, Shireen, just from the perspective uh, of the patient, right, when, when you have received good care, there's not much bandwidth um, to put up with anything less than the best. And so that's why you almost want to stick with what you know rather than, um, you know, have somebody else care for you in, in not quite the same way. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, especially in very critical cases, for instance, like if you have to continuously go for chemotherapy, then, you know, that's already a very sensitive situation as it is and if you know that others are not doing it the way that they're supposed to be doing or are not at the level that they should be at then obviously that's going to affect you know how you feel about the treatment itself and at the end of the line that also puts pressure on how the patient feels and even the recovery in fact. Shireen let me let me ask you this um you know the doctors that you dealt with uh, I guess particularly the doctors that were perhaps um you know rushed off their feet uh, um maybe a little bit abrupt uh did they look um healthy and well to you because you know there's also that thing where I guess doctors spend all all these hours at the hospital. They're so very, very busy. They don't take care of themselves as well as they should. Yeah. Well, they did. I mean, they do look a little bit tired at times, but that's usually depending on the time of day because, you know, obviously they've got different shifts, right? And if you come in the morning, then you will see the, the, the night shift doctors are very tired. Right. But generally, the ones who are covering you during the daytime, like if they're going through the ward rounds, there's a lot of them who are actually just coming into the hospital maybe, I don't know, 7 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm. So you don't expect them to be anything less than sort of fresh or at least, you know, uh, ready to 
tackle any issues that are coming your way, and especially if you're in the ward and all that. So, I don't know, I felt that I expected a little bit more from some doctors and some nurses especially. And Fair enough. I think I was a bit let down in certain circumstances. Sure. Shireen, thank you very much uh, for calling in and sharing that experience with us. Um, folks, if you have uh, any thoughts on whether Malaysian healthcare practitioners have good bedside manners, if you had good experiences, negative experiences, call us at 0377109000. Talkback continues after the 6.30 news on BFM 89.9. Bending fickle minds. BFM 89.9. Psst, you there? Open your mouth and... Talk! It's Talkback time on BFM 89.9. It's Caroline and Ezra on TopBat. The number to call is 0377109000. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. We're talking about healthcare practitioners and bedside manners. Uh, do Malaysian healthcare practitioners have good bedside manners? We've heard uh, from a few callers with uh, you know positive and negative experiences. We want to hear from you. Once again, the number is 0377109000. Our next caller is La. He's on the line. Hi there. Hello. Hi. Uh, tell us, um, Hi, what is your perspective on this? Uh, I, I think I'm like most of our demolition had fair share of uh, good and bad experience. <laughs> sure. But but I'm calling in defense of uh, health practitioners. Sure. Because uh, at the end of the day, there are people and every day they are dealing with uh, life and death situations. Yeah. And I would think that um, the emotional pressure on them is... Uh, it's very high, right? Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. I realized this because I have one member in my family who was supposed to uh, be a doctor, right? She, uh, in her first year as a doctor, one of the first assignments was to uh, deliver a baby, right? And when she delivered that baby, she managed to get the baby out. Uh, the baby already uh, uh, dead. Oh. So, uh, and she informed the parents that the baby was still alive. Oh, dear. Uh, so so she, she made a mistake. Mm. Right? Mm. And then uh, when the parent later found out, I think she went into a very, uh, very bad depression and then she have to acquit a uh, doctor. Now she's, she's uh, jobless now. Yeah. Now, the, so, that, that particular situation uh, must have been so stressful for yeah, all yeah, parties yeah, involved. Yeah, and, yeah. and do you think that was a case of... I mean, things that come to mind perhaps um, too, too soon for, for such a big task, perhaps a lack of experience, a lack of training, uh, a lack of familiarity in how to deal with these kind of, uh, these kinds of uh, emotional and difficult circumstances. Yeah, so, so I, I wanted to say that maybe doctors have this, uh, some, to some extent uh, bedside manners, or uh, good, uh, no, no, it's not a, not a very good bedside manners, like a defense mechanism, right? Mm. They don't want to get too emotionally attached to that patient. Right. Because they have mm. other, other patients to carry on. They say you, your first patient died and then you have to move on to the next patient. Yeah. That's right. You cannot carry that emotion to the other patient, right? Sure. Because because the next patient yeah, yeah. deserves all the attention and the, the yes, clinical yes, yes, expertise yes, yes. that they've been training for, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, given your own perspective about either your experiences in in particular hospitals, has it been generally positive, or or have there been uh, some negative experiences? No, I would say fifty fifty. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much for calling in, La. Uh, we're moving on to our next caller. Victor is on the line. Hi, Hi Victor. Victor. Hi, good evening. Evening. Yeah, uh, I I know I'm this uh, inferring the general from the particular. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but you're going to do it anyway? <laughs> two doctors actually make me feel all the doctors in Malaysia, they are excellent. Oh, right. they are the excellent. First, hmm. Yes. The first one is a doctor, uh, at that time he was uh, at a government hospital. He treated me 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. If not for him, I wouldn't be able to call BFM every Thursday and talk oh. <laughs> and, and give my two cents worth. Mm. And uh, I visited him uh, yearly. Uh, at, at least I visited uh, I visit him once a year. Yeah, as a friend, as a friend, or, or as a for checkup. Yeah. I mean, yes, as a friend, as uh, a friend. Nice. Just, just to say thanks. Oh. Uh, then the other doctor is uh, the one who operated on my daughter, which is uh, also about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, I feel that the fee, the the, the medical fee that I have to pay, is not just uh, this uh, medical fee. It's almost like a wealth transfer <laughs> it's oh. a lot of money but the way they handle it yeah uh, uh, i think make me feel that uh, it's worth it i mean the operation is a huge success i couldn't ask for more so i think these two particular doctors make me feel i mean bring the this what was it the, the, a lot of goodwill to their profession Absolutely. So if you didn't, uh, what is it? All doctors in Malaysia are excellent. Uh, Victor, I just want to get your thoughts on, on something that our previous caller mentioned. You know, when, when doctors have patients or nurses have their respective patients, it's it's not just that one patient in the morning. It's um, there, there There's so many lined up during the day and you can't, be emotionally too invested in a particular patient because there's there's a long way to go for the rest of the day. What, what are your thoughts on that about uh, having a almost neutral or defensive position so that you can carry out your duties for the rest of the day? Well, I think it's easier said than done, isn't it? Mm. So uh, they are they work under a lot of pressure more than any other profession, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So we should be more what is understanding and more lenient. To them, after all, I think they are doing an excellent job. Yeah. As I say, yeah. thanks to that two doctors that make me feel good about all doctors. Well, we're glad you're around to call us uh, every Thursday, Victor. We would certainly um, miss not having you um, on the line with us. <laughs> and our thanks to those two doctors as well, I guess. Yep. Um, but I think it's, it is a good point in that, um, you know, if, if nothing else, just a patient to, to have... a you know, that point of understanding that, you know, a doctor is moving from one patient to another mm-hmm. um, and that it isn't easy not to carry um, all that forward. Um, Margaret sent this message saying, if I had not had the specific night sister on duty the second night after my first child's birth, I'm sure I would not have per- uh, persevered with exclusive breastfeeding. She was abrupt and brusque, but her passion for breast is best was clear. And as a result, uh, my kids are healthy. So wow. that's that's a nice story. And I think, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a life and death situation you know a, a situation like this um, is where obviously good bedside manners and, and just really responsible and uh, empathetic um, healthcare practitioners goes a long way yeah um, you know someone in my family who has a lot of time um, and thought for um, uh, healthcare practitioners and my grandmother my grandmother every time you know in, in the many visits over uh, the past few decades to the hospitals um, always takes the time to sort of create this rapport uh, with uh, the nurses because mm-hmm. she 
he's very much aware of the amount of time, effort and dedication uh, that is being put into their job mm-hmm. and, you know, is always, um, you know, happy to, you know, do anything she can to make um, the nurses feel good even when they're visiting her for her respective checkups as well. So, yeah, and I guess yeah. that kind of empathy is perhaps rare. And it also, I, it also reminded me that it kind of also works both ways, right? It you, does. Yeah, and it's not just sort of receiving, it's sometimes also giving back in, in that same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, 0377109000 is the number to call on Talkback. Uh, our next caller is Iman. Hi, Iman. Hi there. Uh, okay, my name is Iman. I'm, I'm calling uh, to talk about some doctors that my fiancé uh, has dealt with and also uh, because my fiancé is battling uh, mental illness and trying to raise uh, the awareness of mental illness. So right. we, we've received feedback uh, from, from those who responded to Passion and empathy. Yes, yes, exactly. But unfortunately, from from the feedback uh, my chance and I uh, have received, there are still uh, psychologists or doctors uh, out there in Malaysia who are very, very stern and very uh, a bit rough on 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 the the, the sufferers. You know, is that right? Because you know, I, I don't know, Iman. Is it wrong of me? I guess it's, it's wrong of me to assume that considering mental health is what they're trained in. Um, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, for example, would be better um, at dealing with these things. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, fortunately for us, uh, we we we've been dealing with uh, three very very good psychologists uh, from HKL, from PTM, and also uh, in in Johor. So, but it is that I'm, I'm I'm very grateful for that. It is that there are still uh, psychologists out there that will that we actually encountered with one who actually slammed my fiancé for, for what uh, for what she did because uh, she attempted suicide, I think, twice. Right. And, and, and she was slammed for it because uh, it was like, oh, you should know better, you shouldn't be doing this mm. or not. Uh, while, while, while other psychologists uh, uh, comforted her first and then tell her what was supposed to be done, how to overcome it. Yeah, I think especially in those situations, they're very delicate matters, and and there's um, uh, there needs to be a duty of care towards the patient um, about how to handle those particular situations. Yes, yes, uh, okay. But that's the thing. Um, my point is that there are very very good doctors and 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 also uh, health practitioners out there. It's just that you know those the 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 the, the few ones that actually you know like tarnish the good image. Of sure. Them. Of
Uh, Absolutely, and here, here, and I think you know, there's a lot of us who who would certainly empathize with that. There's, there needs to be greater uh, awareness uh, on uh, mental health issues, and and that's something that we've spoken a lot of on the station. Yep, and um, I suppose just you know, raising awareness and educating is a thing. But how about this message? Um, this one's saying, how about a doctor who tells your mother to make sure uh, that she has her affairs in order in front of you? It happened to someone I knew; she passed away. But what a way to tell you that you're going to die. And I think, I guess. You know that really is 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 a difficult one because obviously in that you're trying to educate, you're trying to prepare um, a patient and um, her family uh, for the inevitable. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it depends on the doctor. It depends on how it's received. It depends on how it's delivered. Absolutely, there's yeah. so many different variables at play. Now, after this, we have a caller who's a doctor and actually wants to discuss what exactly exactly constitutes bedside manners. That's coming up right after these messages on Talkback on BFM eighty nine point nine. Time for the four T's. Tweet, text, talk, talk back on BFM 89.9. Caroline and Ezra here. The number to call is 0377109000. We're asking, do Malaysian healthcare practitioners have good bedside manners? Our next caller will hopefully inform us of, of what actually constitutes bedside manners. Uh, TD, you're on the air. Hi there. Hi. Uh, t- tell us um, from my notes here that you're, you're a doctor and, and you wanted to discuss this issue a little bit more. Because it's something that's quite close to my heart. So I'm a doctor uh, teaching in a. I'm, I'm a doctor in teaching hospital mm-hmm. in a public teaching hospital, and uh, I, I, I came back uh, from Europe after 17 years. I was trained. My undergrad training and my postgraduate training was in Europe, and um, it, the, the core of our like. I mean, we did a lot of communication skills as part of modules in our undergrad and postgraduate training. So if right. you don't pass that, that that module, you can't become a specialist. That was oh. how intelligent professional skills were. Now, when I came back, uh, there was, you know, I mean, I, mean, I think the, the, the dichotomy here essentially is that there's lack of, um, you know, training and awareness. So, for example, um, I, I was surprised. I mean, some of, some of the doctors working under me are great communicators, and some of them have no clue. So they go to patients, they don't even introduce themselves. I've been treated in public hospitals in Malaysia, and, and I don't know the doctor's name. So I have to ask them, so what's your name? Before you touch me, what's your name? And I don't tell them I'm, I'm a doctor myself. So, right. so, so I think the important thing is to actually define what bedside manners mean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bet, is it just downright rudeness, not introducing yourself before somebody touches you? Because I think that is just basics, yeah. um, you know, that's the basics. And then the, I think the expectation between doctors and patients as well, there's a dichotomy there because I think the patient's agenda can be quite very different from the doctor's agenda. The doctors just want to, you know, sort things out, just want to diagnose and they want to treat the patient. But we know that patient expectations can be very complex. Mm-hmm. You know, we, um, uh, not, they, it's not just about treatment, it's, it's about hope, it's about, you know, they, they, they come in in a, in a, in a fragile um, situation, you know, they, they, they need assurance. And, I, and, and sometimes I think there is a difference in regards to um, expectations between this, you know, the communication. So the, the, um, the, the different kinds of communication models between a patient and doctor, this has been well studied, people do PhDs on this. So there's paternalistic type, there's mutual relationship, there's consumer relationship. So I expect that you might get a different type of um, doctor-patient communication in, in, let's say, a private setting versus a public setting. So, so trying to make sense of, I guess, the training that's uh, being provided to healthcare practitioners locally, um, how comprehensive is it? Uh, what do you know uh, compared to perhaps the training that you received? I think there's an increasing awareness that communication skills is becoming more important, but I think we need to emphasize it a bit more mm-hmm. because we know that communication is therapeutic. Good communication between patients is therapeutic. Yeah. But I think there's, there's lack of, I think, there's, I think there needs to be more emphasis on that. 
as it, as it should be. And it should be part of a professional module as well, the professional skill module. Is it, so something that, to... is it something that you do? Say, for example, you enter a room or the patient enters the room and you're reading, you're reading that immediately, you know, getting all the cues, not just, you know, the, the physical um, cues, but, you know, just, just looking at the person, assessing how, um, how they're feeling and what their emotional state is. Absolutely. That is our job. That should be our job. We should be looking at their verbal cues. We should be looking at, you know, their, their, their physical cues. We should be look at, you know, when they ask this question, we should really, you know, we should essentially understand where they're coming from. And I think the reason why sometimes, uh, I mean, I, I think time is an issue. Stress is an, is an issue. And I think, yes, we do, we, we almost, you know, we, 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 we do, we do um, uh, face, you know, death and, death and, 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 and death issues. But I think that should just be a side issue. Because at the end of the day, I think communic- uh, patients' communication to us um, help us to become good doctors. So they come in with chest pain, but then if we don't, if we don't, um, you know, if we don't know how this chest pain limits them to some extent, how are we going to help them? And then the other thing is well that I think uh, I think the, uh, the public as well has to have higher expectations in regards to how they communicate with us. They can't because hmm. I think the paternalistic paternalistic relationship is still there. So some some patients just come and they just want to be told what to do and they want to be told what to you know what to take. While some some patients have high expectations, they want to share their issues, they want to share their family issues, their personal issues, and I think that should be a more holistic approach in mm. communication skills between patients and doctors. But there needs to be more emphasis in our training and especially in our postgraduate training because I think undergrad because I'm I'm in a teaching hospital and we do um, we do communication skill as a lecture and things like that, but not as a as a practical module, hmm. uh, which I used to do as an undergrad. And even when I was training to become a consultant, we had to do that. We had to do a, a, a whole week of communication skill module. Yeah. And why is it so important? And I think that's a, a very key thing uh, because, you know, the practical module um, is something where you, you're, you're practicing. It's application. Those, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's the key thing, especially when you're dealing with the variety of circumstances that you often meet when encountering patients yeah. and caregivers. And it's certainly interesting that uh, just, I guess, comparing priorities, mm. um, you know, between yeah. what's, what happens here and, and where she was trained. Tidi, thank you very much for, for calling in. We're going to move on to our next caller. Fadli is on the line. Hi, Fadli. Hi. Hi, uh, t- tell us um, your thoughts about healthcare practitioners and um, this this issue about having good and, and, and bad bedside manners. What do you think? Personally, I believe that uh, one of the reasons why doctors or medical practitioners are associated with bad manners is uh, due to the nature of their work and the workload and stress that is related to their environment. Because mm-hmm. I'm speaking based on you know, comments from friends who are doctors. Sure. And also, yeah, and also by my colleagues back in university. I used to have a room surrounded by six and seven medical soon-to-be doctors. And from that on, I was practicing a different field, by the way. So from that from that period of time, you can see the stress that is involved in you know, mm. practicing medicine itself. And that's also the work hours. I think, I believe in the news as well, there's been, I think, four or five cases of doctors who slept during their driveway back due to the long working hours and the stress that's related to their, you know, to their work life. Yeah. So, yeah, so when you associated those type of career uh, and at the same time you have to deal with, you know, patients who are having issues with the health and the approach becomes less, you know, less sensitive. Um, for example, even if uh, a normal person, if you have a bad day and you're meeting with a close friend, for example, you won't be able to, you know, uh, show out your true emotions or show out your true colors 
sure. if it's your normal, usual self. So uh, during this case, I believe that some doctors tend to, you know, let loose their bad, bad side manners, so to speak. Yeah. During, at times when they are really at that point of, you know, exhaustion and also stress. Absolutely, and and I think that's something we've heard a lot of people. A lot of people have that observation, uh, just being aware of how um, exhaustive this mm-hmm. particular profession can be. Fadli, thank you very much for calling in. We have to move on to our next caller. Nicole is on the line. Hi, Hi Nicole. Nicole. Nicole, you're on the air. Unfortunately, um, we will have to move on to the next caller. Uh, Christy is on the line right now. Hi, Christy. Hi. Just wanted to share. Um a few experiences that my family had with a uh, private hospital, actually. So it's not just general hospital, private hospitals do have their problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had dengue a few years back, and then it was a very severe dengue. So I had the whole course of from diarrhea to liver inflammation. But normal people actually don't really understand what it means when a doctor tells you like, oh, your platelet is dropping and oh, your platelet's at 30. Yeah, or, or, you need so, to humanize like, those medical terms. Yeah. And you're like, okay, dropping is good, not good. It's that bad. 30 is good, not good. And the doctor. Right. So it caused a lot of anxiety to my poor mother, who's always a very, like, uh, she, she just didn't understand. And the doctors were always missing. They were like, she went to the toilet for and then they rolled me out to go for a liver scan. And then she came out, daughter was missing, went around oh. the hospital finding for me. Oh. So it caused her so much anxiety. And she kept asking the nurses, like, oh, you took my daughter where? Oh, she's in this room. And they wouldn't even escort her, right? They would just, like, point, 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 and Malaysian direction, not very good. You just jalan terus, pusing kiri, angkat situ. And then she would spend the next half an hour hunting me around. And actually, that created a lot of unnecessary anxiety for not only myself, but for my mother. And after, like, scanning, I remember they just left me outside the door for, like, 15 minutes. And then I'm, like, wondering what's going on. And they finally, like, wheeled me back to the room, right? And then they just left me, and they were like, so you, you don't even know what happened <laughs> over right. the last one hour. And, and like another experience my mom had in the same hospital when she saw the gynae, right? So my mom is in her late 50s and then she had a fibroid. And this, this doctor, right, this gynae, very famous doctor, by the way, told her in a very, very crude way, Auntie, you're so old, right? Not going to give birth. If you're not going to give birth already, just cut it out. Why are you keeping your uterus in for, right? Yeah, yeah. And that created a lot of trauma, but the, and the doctor didn't even explain that. What is the implications if you actually cut out your uterus, right? It's a lot of like, post-care after the operation you have to take medication like you take estrogen pills and my mom did not know any of that after the the, the whole affair right and fortunately she had doctor friends to take go for a second diagnosis and she went to another hospital and this doctor actually very nicely this is a good case of a good guy he actually asked my mom very honestly um if you did not go for your yearly checkup would you have knew you had a fibroid then my mom said no and she said Okay, would, did it cause you any uh, form of discomfort? Were you bleeding? Would it have disrupt your life? And of course, my mom said no to all. And this very nice doctor then said, then why are you bothering it? Right, and, and the change yeah. in, in the way um, those two doctors communicated with your mom made a huge difference in, I guess, how um, the, the patient feels about taking the necessary next steps. And, and Chrissy, thank you very much uh, for calling in and in sharing uh, your experiences with us. As you know, Unfortunately, we're running out of time at the moment. Yeah, just very quickly, this message saying, I really wish I had enough time to properly greet and talk to my patients. I try my best, still find myself drowned by the sheer volume of patients and most end up complaining about the long wait more than anything else. Basic manners and a simple 
simple smile can actually go a long way. And yes, respect is a two-way street. Um, my clinic is congested and crammed up to five doctors seeing their respective patients at the same time in a room meant for individual consultations. Mm. So it's not easy to always ensure that everyone is happy with our service. I guess the debate will continue. Folks, thanks for all your calls, texts and tweets on Top Back. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. Bombing frustrated minds. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.